Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Clint. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, Pastor Allen is and his wife Deb, they're um, in Israel. So I'll be praying for them, that they can get back here safely, that they have a great time. This is their first time experiencing that. I'm kind of jealous. Um, but I'm glad to get to talk to you guys today. I get a chance to wrap up our 90 series. So we've been doing a series, right, talking about Jesus and his life and, and his impact that he made and how he came. And it was the things that he taught were so much different than what people expected him to say and how countercultural they were and how different they were and how he just came and changed everything. Not just with the, what he did last, what we celebrated last week with the cross and the resurrection, but just his whole life was different and had an impact uh, and a different goal than what people thought this Messiah guy would, would have. And so uh, I get the opportunity to finish up that series this week. Originally, I was gonna, we were going to go back and we were going to talk about one of our snow, like snow Sundays, you know, services that we missed. Uh, but I thought, man, how can I go back after the resurrection? Like, how do you go backwards after that? So uh, I'm excited because we get to go forward. We're going to talk about Jesus after he has resurrected and some of the things that he says. And so this week, we're gonna, uh, our series, is, the sermon is called Big, Dream Big. And so uh, later in the, in the service, I'm going to announce a big dream that we have at our church. So in be anticipation of that, be excited for that. Uh, I, everyone got a bulletin and you got a, an index card, something different than we do normally. Just dig that out uh, and we'll use it later, just so you know. I'm trying to get you ready for that. Uh, so whenever we're young, we all have these big dreams, right? And I'm going to tell you something that's really embarrassing about me, all right? When I was a kid, my big dream was to be the next Garth Brooks. This is the closest I've ever gotten with this fancy thing, because <laughs> he wore he was like famous for his headpiece thing, but um, so he could run around and move around. But yeah, I wanted to be a country music singer. That's what I wanted to do. Like if you had asked me when I was a little kid what I wanted to do, it was country music. I wanted to sing country music. I mean, I had the, the boots and the hat and the whole dang thing. But that changed. Later on, I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a pastor. God's called me to be a pastor. That's my dream job. And now I get to do it, so it's pretty cool. Um, but we all have dreams. And sometimes when we were kids, our dreams are huge. Like, I want to just impact and change the world. And then what happens? We kind of get into reality, and we're like, uh, I'm just going to try to make it through today. Tough, life is hard, right? It's tough sometimes. And it just flies by. And so I want to uh, show you guys a video that I'm really excited about, and then we'll go from there. So part of this morning is I want to challenge you guys to be willing and ready to, to dream again. Maybe if you stop dreaming, maybe you're, maybe you're living your dream. Maybe you have that awesome job and everything's like that, and you're living your dream. I'm going to tell you, there's something, a bigger dream that we can dream about, and there's something that we can get fired up about. And it might partner exactly with where you're at in life, or it might take some work to get there, but it's a big dream that we've got. And the big dream that we've got is something that's given us directly from Jesus. So that's the cool part. It's not something I've had to come up as a pastor to try to motivate you guys or something like that, or motivate myself. It's given us to us by Jesus. So how does Jesus want us to impact the world? Because dreams, we want dreams to impact the world, right? We want that to happen. And so the question is, how does Jesus want us to impact the world? And he gave us that answer. We talked about it earlier in the series, but I want to go through it again and really focus on it this week and a little bit more. And so the text says, it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We call this the Great Commission. It's, uh, it's something we're supposed to be doing, right? And Jesus said this, and Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven, on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there's a command there and there's a promise. There's a command and there's one word that really stuck out to me. And I went to Bible college, so at Bible college this was like all over the place. It was on our shirts, it was on our walls, and it was where go. We, well, at church, we always, or at Bible college, we said go global. It's actually part of our tagline for Baptist Bible College. And, and so I heard it all the time. I got on fire for it when I was there, and I saw it at church and everything like that too, but go, it's, it's definitely an action, right? And it's something that statistically the church isn't doing. And th- this concept, it's not meaning where it needs to be. And there's this, this idea, if I'm going to make a disciple, someone who follows Jesus, I've got to make a connection with them. We've got to start that conversation. We can't just do coffee and never get there, right? We can never just have a friendship and never go there. That's not discipleship. That's just being friends. Um, and so there's this concept of going and being intentional for it. And the promise is that Jesus is going to be with them, right? He's talking to his eyes. I'll be with you to the end of the age. If you're a Jesus follower, you've got Jesus on your side. He is with you forever. And so that's empowering. That's to be empowering for us because truthfully, sharing the gospel or, or being on mission, is, which is what we're talking about, is scary sometimes. It's tough. Especially in our world, in our culture, when people are just, you know, totally weirded out by faith. And it's almost taboo to talk about it in the workplace or, or discuss it. I mean, you can tell somebody how, you know, with the most graphic language possible sometimes, how bad you hate a restaurant or how horrible a movie was, or your opinion about this, or your opinion about that, but if you actually try to share your faith, sometimes that gets weird, right? And that seems awkward and, and anti-cultural for us, and so, but we're told to do it. We're told to go, and so, and, and I like Mark, because Mark just, he doesn't have all these words. He kind of keeps it simple. Uh, Mark, when he writes this, he says, then he said to them, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Pretty simple. I like simple. I don't know if you guys like simple, but I like simple. Uh, and so Mark's cool like that. He, he just, said, just leaves it to us straight. Go into, preach all the wor- go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I like that. So the question is, are you willing, are you living like you're on mission? Does that mean that you've done a mission trip here and there, you've done this and that, which you which you want you to do those things. Obviously, we have three mission trips coming up this summer. We're excited about that, but that's, that's not what I mean. My question is, are you living like you're on mission every single day, day in and day out? What is your mission field? Is it Pennsylvania? Is it West Virginia? Is it, is it Maryland? Right? Because we could, we could say that it could be far off, or we could say it's now. And, and the assumption is, and the question you should be asking yourself, am I living like I'm on mission now? And so in Romans, it says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they, they call on the name that they do not believe in? And how can they believe in the name of the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You know, the reason why Paul writes this to the Romans is because he knows it's tough. And he knows that the Roman church that, that was started there probably were saying, well, you know, that's not out of my price. For, that's not out of my pray range, right? I'm not a preacher. That's not my job. He probably knows that they were doing that, and so he challenges them. 
And he's like, hey, how would they know if they don't hear? The same challenge is for us, right? If, if we want to change the world or see the world changed, then we've got to share the gospel with them. We have to do that. We have to be sharing the gospel because that's the only thing that will change the world. Because the truth is that I, all I've got to do is flip on the news, right, or read a newspaper to see how broken the world is. It doesn't take very much. The, the world is so broken. And we can, we can come up with all these policies and plans and rules and government uh, issued things to try to change it, but it doesn't change with those things. It changes with the gospel. Because we can make a law and it'll still be broken, right? Talking about something controversial today, just popping in my mind, talking about abortion. We can outlaw abortion. But abortion's been happening forever. They just did different means. In Roman times, what they would do is they'd just take a baby, they'd have a baby, and they'd go just drop it off at the, at the local uh, dump and let it die. Now, luckily, there was a practice of, of adoption that was popular. And so they would just, you would go get a kid off the dump and now you raise that kid as your own. There was a twisted part, though, because in Rome, that's how you got slaves. They would be your slave, your servant. They didn't get to be part of your family the same way. And Jesus obviously flips that, right? And he says that we're part of his family. We're adopted into his family. And so he's taking that concept that was already known. Like, without preaching on that, going back to the, the idea that it's still happening. It'll happen. Abortion will happen, right? That's not going to fix it. But what will fix it is helping some young person understand that they're valued by God, that he loves them, that Jesus paid it all for them on the cross. I believe that, that's, that the gospel will change the world. That's what the Bible says. And so that's how we do it. If we could take the passion and we, that we have for, for changing things and being against this and that and plug it into being for the gospel, that'll change the world. It will be amazing. And the world is broken. That's true. This is a statistic I read this week, and I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was actually heartbreaking. In, in our day and age, with all the resources we have, more than 4,800 people, groups, still live with little or no access to the gospel. 4,800 people, groups, making up 2.8 billion people. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't include like uh, false religions, major religions that are outside of Christianity. That's not, that number is not part of that. These are just people who have not heard the gospel necessarily or don't have access to it. I'm excited about it because you know, long term we want to go to New York City. We want to live there. We want to plant churches. We're taking a group there this summer. New York City, they say that every single one of those people groups is represented in New York City. Right in our backyard. Three and a half hours away. Four hours. That's pretty cool. We can make an impact there. And so, the question is, like, whenever I've done, at my old church, we always had mission conferences. And I've seen, I've sat beside people who just were everyday people. They didn't go to school for this. They didn't have this crazy calling right off the bat early in life. But God calls them out, friends of mine and people I've seen, go out and become missionaries. They walk away from long-term jobs, and they've got families. They've got responsibilities. They're just like us. And they feel a call and they go. They start the process. One of the families that we support here financially, we give them $100 a month, our church has decided to do that, is the Fraley's and their missionaries to New York City. And, you know, they walked away, he walked away from a career in the Navy to be a missionary so he could go and preach and start churches in New York City. 
And that's a big thing. That's a big thing uh, to do that because there's a lot of risk involved, right? He's got a family of five. Uh, he said, I, God's going to provide the money. I'm going to raise the money. It takes two to three years. They're still raising the funds uh, to get there. It's expensive to do ministry there. But it's stories like that I, that I know of and I've heard and I've experienced my friends that I'm like, man, somebody in this room right here potentially could be called to go and do missions on a far scale, go far. You know, they say statistically there's a missionary in almost in every room because, but people don't always heed to that calling. So the question is, who will go far? Out of a size room, this place right here, I believe that somebody here, God's tugged on your heart, he's put things in your life, and he said, you know, that should be you. Full-time ministry. Maybe so. If you're interested in that and you put it on a connection card, we could, I can always help you try to facilitate and get where you need to go with that or answer questions. Um, but I think that's who's going to go far. Then I, this week I heard a story. I thought it was really cool because um, there's, so there's this kid, this little kid and his dad, and they were at a sporting goods store. And in my mind, when I think of sporting goods store, I think of Bass Pro, which we don't have here. But in Springfield, Missouri, where I'm from, that's it's the Big Daddy. They call it the Big Daddy. That's really what they call it. Uh, Big Daddy Sports Store, right? So it's the biggest one in the world. It's the headquarters. It started there. And so I think of Sports Store, I think of Bass Pro. And if you've ever seen my hat I wear every day, it says Bass Pro. But anyway, so this little kid, he's with his dad. He's at Bass Pro, and they're looking at scopes that you put on a gun. Okay? And the, the kid picks up the scope, and, and he's, he's looking at it, and he's like, Dad, something's wrong. I don't understand. Everything is, is messed up. And the dad's like, well, what's wrong? Is it, is it fuzzy? Uh, do you need to move it? He's like, no, everything's really far away. Like super far away. He's like, all right, all right, well, give, me it to, give it to me. And he flips it around, gives it back to him. The kid's like, oh, everything's so close. I can see everything. Sometimes when we flip our perspective, it things, makes things that seem far off become closer to us. That's true about missions. Missions doesn't have to be only far off. Flipping our perspective can bring mission closer. It can become an everyday thing. We can be on mission because the truth is that, yes, the world is broken, but people in our lives are broken, right? People that we rub shoulders with are broken every day. They need hope. And the truth is, and we've, we talked about this earlier in the service, Jesus is the hope of the world, right? Right? We talked about that a second ago, that policies and rules and, and government, that's not going to fix anything. But Jesus is the hope of the world. In the first week of the series, we kind of mentioned this in, in the text that we talked about, but it says this, talking about when Jesus was born, his name will be the hope of all the world. If you know somebody who is hurting, who is, is burdened down with life, Jesus is the answer. That's what that's telling me. He's the hope. Because they're living in hopelessness, potentially, in their lostness. And so, the truth is, we have a chance. You have a chance. I have a chance to share that hope every day. The hope that Jesus can bring. And sometimes, we go through day, all day long, and we don't even think about it. It doesn't even cross our mind. But it is true that we can. And God will provide it opportunities if we're willing and we're asking. And we're saying, who am I going to pray talk to today about Jesus. Who am I going to share my story with? God, show me somebody today. If that's our prayer, God's going to provide that. He does it time and time again, and the truth is, and I'm guilty of this, we'll walk right by him, 
or we will do life with them right beside them and we won't even open our mouth. It's like this idea that, well, if I'm just a good enough person, maybe it'll rub off. Maybe they'll get through all my junk in my life and see how good I am and maybe see Jesus in the process. That's not enough, right? That's, that doesn't work. Being a good person does not share the gospel. That's not sharing the gospel completely. It is definitely a component, but it's not all it is. Because that's why Jesus said, go and preach, right? Go and tell. We have to be doing that. If we're not doing it, then we're not, we're not doing the whole thing. We're doing part of it. And that could be why our world is going down so fast. Statistically, less than 2% of churchgoers ever share the gospel. But, but how could that be? I mean, we, we, we give to this, we do this, we serve here, we do that. We take our time out of the week and we sit here. How could it be? Oh, we've got to actually open our mouths. We've got to actually have tough conversations. Okay, now it makes sense. And a lot of us, we do those things. I see it. I mean, since I've been here, I've been here over, 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 a little over a year, I hear all these things of people talking about Jesus and sharing their experiences. So we're doing it. This isn't like a down on you sermon or anything like that. It's not like that. It's supposed to be inspiring. And with that, we could do it better. I could do it better. So much better. Because the truth is that people are dying and going to hell, right? And we don't want that to happen. We want them to experience God. And and I read this quote this week, and I I really liked it. A pastor, a friend of mine said this. He said that um, if you think that sharing the gospel or evangelizing is inviting someone to church, you've already failed. Pretty powerful because some of us just say, well, I'll invite them to church, and they'll hear the gospel there. What happens when they don't come? If that was working, we'd be overflowing, right? We should be inviting people to church, obviously. There's a Chick-fil-A gift card on the line, (laughs) right? You can't miss that part. But that's not always enough. There's people that will never grace this room. They'll never be on our campus. But you guys get to see them, and you guys interact with them. You're on mission. If you're on mission, you're going to say, hey, you know what? Jesus changed my life. This is how. You don't have to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I went to school for this junk. I don't have all the answers. But I can share my story. I'll talk about that in a second. But what does sharing this hope look like? What does is, what is sharing the hope that Jesus has look like? And so I'll give you three practical ways that we can share the gospel because I don't want to leave you ill-prepared. Number one, and you've heard these things before, I'm sure. Actually, in week six, we talked about this, and that's love people. Pastor Allen went uh, in detail over this scripture and how Jesus had given this new commandment. And this is what it says. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will pour or prove to the world that you are my disciples or followers. You know what? The truth is that the church throughout history has done this horribly. Uh, because they, they've, they've gotten mixed up with the rules and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to look and all this stuff. And they forget about the people. If you ask most people out and about, about how they think about the church, they're going to talk about crazy things like hypocrisy and they're money hungry and they're rude they're unfriendly they're insider focused and what i love about sister valley church is we're not those things right we are a church that's focused on reaching unchurched people 
That's what we want to be. It's our vision. That's a mission, right? That is being on mission. That's saying I'm not focused on uh, making myself feel good or ourselves feel good or being insiders, but yet we have an outward focus. And that's why we do things like the Odyssey race. You know, the truth is that those people live somewhere else, right? They're not going to come and sit here on Sundays, most likely. But we had an opportunity to love on those people. And it was my first time coming. It was pretty cool. Um, I'm kind of an introvert. And I'm an extrovert sometimes, but it just depends. But I'm more introverted than I used to be. I'll say that better. And um, so I was just kind of watching yesterday, or Friday. Uh, but Gloria gave everybody who came in a hug. And I saw the reaction that gave, they made. And like, people would walk up and say, oh, you're the hugger. I heard about you. And she wasn't here last year. And they're like, oh, you weren't here last year. And it ruined the race. Like, they just love Gloria because she, she's exerting herself. She's on purpose with that. And she showed them love. It was cool. It made a difference in her life, I think. And so we can show people love. And if, if we're not doing it, we're not loving them. And one of the things I think that when it comes to loving people, especially as Jesus loved them, is sharing the gospel. Because if I don't, if I say I love somebody, but I let them die or go to hell, am I really loving them? No. If I never said something, if I never shared, I'm not putting love in action. Even though it's awkward, even though it's scary to make those conversations, I'm really not loving them. I might be friendly with them, but I'm not loving them, I don't think. That's my opinion. That's my take on it. But I feel like that's the next step. It's just like the concept, if you, knew the cure, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you share it? We've all heard that probably. But that's true, right? We would share it in a heartbeat because we've been affected by people who have that or have had that. That's true about the gospel, right? We have the cure for brokenness. We have the cure for, for um, loneliness. We have the cure for people who have, don't have their identity found in Christ. We have the cure for sin that every single person is affected by. And there's no way we can say, I love you, and not share it, right? That doesn't seem like love to me. Not love to the full degree, anyway. So we've got to be loving other people. And part of that is sharing the gospel. Because that's what Jesus wants. God says he doesn't want anyone to perish. Not a single person to perish. And we wonder, why, Jesus, why haven't you come back? It's been over 2,000 years. Well, the Bible tells us. He's waiting till everyone is heard. He's holding out for that next person. He's holding out for that person in your life that you're supposed to share with. I don't know, maybe that person is a person who now he can come. I don't know. He's holding out because he loves people enough to do that. He loves enough to wait. Because honestly, once I'm saved, he could just take me home, right? He doesn't do that. He leaves us here to work and be on mission for the rest of our lives of sharing the gospel. That's our purpose. It's one of our purposes of life. Second thing is tell your story. We're starting a series of refuge called This Is My Story. And it's really cool for me because I get a break from talking. But more than that, I designed it because I want our students to get in touch with our counselors. So the counselors, the, the, the adult leaders that get to that serve with us, they're gonna, the ones that want to get the chance to share their story, their testimony in front of the students. Because their, their story is different than mine. They've heard mine. They heard it this week, actually. And stories have an impact on people. You know, 
They can debate your theology, they can debate your opinions, but they can't debate your story. They can't take it away from you. We all have a story to share. And maybe our story's not like, oh, well, you know, Jesus found me lying in a crack house and he restored me. Like, we may not have that story. Maybe it's, I went to church, my parents went to church, they took me to church, and one day I decided I wanted to follow Jesus because he's my savior. And from there, he's taken me places that I never thought he would take me. He's built my marriage, he's built my home because I allowed him to be in my life. That might be your story. Your, might, your story might be more impactful and a bestseller maybe version of that story. I don't know. But we all have a story. We should share it. And I thought it was cool because in week five, when Pastor Allen was talking about the nine, in this series, he, he, he pointed out something that I had never seen before. I've read, read through it a lot of times and never caught it. And that was that Lazarus had a powerful story, so much so that the Pharisees wanted to kill him. You guys remember when pastor said that? It stuck out to me because I was like, I've never caught that before. I've read that so many times. But Lazarus was walking evidence of what Jesus was, who Jesus was. Because he was alive, right? And no one else can do that. And so I thought that was cool. Lazarus had a powerful story. And so do you. You've got a powerful story. You might not think it's so powerful, but it is powerful. Because who's the main character? Jesus is the main character. And he's powerful. And he can change the world. So be willing to tell your, share your story. And then third one is share the answer. And I know that's scary. And actually Peter writes this to uh, a group. And he's, he writes this first Peter. He knows that it's scary. And he addresses this issue. He says, but even, but even if you should suffer for what is right. And they were being persecuted. They were being hunting, hunted down at this point uh, for being Christians. You are blessed. Do not fear that that their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I'll tell you, man, that, like, there's, there's been times that I haven't done the last part. Like, I'm guilty as a preacher and all that stuff to be a steamroller in the past. I would steamroll people through a conversation to get them to Jesus. The crazy part is I was doing it wrong, but God still works. Some people got saved that way. Pretty awesome. Because it's not on me, it's about him. But we have to take that into account, and I have to take that into account, right? Gentleness and respect. And even though it's scary, we should be able to prepare, provide them with an answer. Our lives should represent something where someone says, hey, what's different about you? When you were faced with that financial issue, why didn't you crumble? When your marriage was on the rocks, why did why didn't you guys just give up? If, when you lost that loved one, why didn't it break you down so much in, a so, in such a powerful way that it would have broke down me? Because that's what the rest of the world would do, right? They would just break down. But as Christians, we do things different because we have hope. It makes a difference in our lives. So we should be, able, we'd be willing to give that answer at any time. And if we don't, we're missing it. We're not on mission at that point. So I want to ask you, what would it look like if our biggest dream in life was to reach people with the hope of Jesus? That's putting our side, our country music career, right? Like for me as a kid, or whatever it is, and whatever focus we have, and we make it our biggest dream to just see people follow Jesus. What would it look like? And as a church, we decided, as pa- Pastor Allen and Josh, we had talked about this, we came up with a goal 
all right? Goal setting's good, I think. Maybe you guys do, too, but 15 people reached by the end of the year through our ministry here. That's through our outreach. That's through personal interactions. We want to see 15 people come to know Jesus by the end of the year. That's our goal. It's so doable. It's kind of a big dream, you know? There's churches that go all year and don't see any of that. But I believe we can. And we, we can do it by just personal interaction with people. Invite them to church. Obviously, they're going to hear the gospel here. Be part of our outreach ministries. Be part of our mission trips. Do all those things. Because it's all going to hopefully get us to that goal. So with that, if you guys can get excited about it. How many guys can get excited about like 15 people going to heaven? I hope you can get excited about that. That's so awesome. Like, uh, you know, we've had a chance to see 35 students accept Christ so far at Refuge. It's amazing. When I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to go deal with those crazy kids again. I can remind myself of that. And they are crazy. They're, they're very filled with drama. <laughs> but I love them. And, and they're, I'm seeing their lives changed. It's really cool. So, 15 people reached by the ear. I hope that you guys can be part of that goal. Now, I mentioned that card for you guys. Everyone, take out your card. This is how we can make it a reality, I think. This dream that we have of 15 people or more, hopefully. Take out your card and, and write a name on that card. Someone who you're going to pray for and you're going to witness to personally. You're going to share your story with. You're going to pray for them and you're going you're to share your story. Maybe someone's not popping in your head right now. I want you to just draw a line on it. It's a blank. You're going to fill it in when God gives it to you. But somebody in your life needs Jesus. Somebody that I'm not going to have a chance to talk to, probably not. Pastor Allen's not going to get a chance to talk to him, maybe. But you can. They already know you. You've done the legwork. So write them on your card. And then I just want you to everyone to hold up their cards. As you get those done, just hold them up. The reason why I'm not just saying just think of someone in your head is because I want to see cards all over the room. I want us all to see the cards around the room as cards go up. There's no way if God works and these cards become saved, these people that this represents, that we can't hit 15 people. It's totally possible. You guys can put them down, but I just, I want you guys to take a time as everyone bows their heads and closes their eyes. Just pray over that card. Pray over that person that needs Jesus. Pray, pray for our goal that we have of 15 people reached. Just take a time to pray. And while you guys are doing that, maybe there's somebody here not know Jesus today. They've never stepped across that line. They've said, you know what? I've got sin in my life that I have never asked Jesus to forgive me for. And if it's true, this whole Easter business, that he died for me and that he rose again, I want to trust that. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, where you're at. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you or anything like that, I promise. With no one looking around, I just want you to pray something like this. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I know I've screwed up. I've, made, I've sinned against you, God, and I, I need forgiveness for this. Jesus, I don't know all the, everything, but I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. Come into my life. I want to learn to love you back. 
Now, if you're here today and you just prayed that, it's not magical words that, pray, that saved you, but it's you crying out to God, just raise your hand for me. I won't call you out. I won't, I won't embarrass you, I promise. Also, fill out the connection card. Let us know if you made that decision today. I'm gonna close in prayer. We'll finish our last song. We'll be done today. God, you are so amazing. I honestly love to be on mission for you. And my hope and my prayer is that our church will be on mission in a mighty way. That a fire will race through this church and we will just think of you and your hope for every single person that we rub shoulders with. God, 15 people seems like a dream right now, God. But to you, it's a reality. Help us to get there. Help us to be intentional. Help us to not be scared. Break down the fear. Lord, I pray for all the names that are on the card and will be on the cards, that they'll come to know you, God. Because a life without you is hopeless. And we don't want that for anyone. In Jesus' name, amen.